guys that are going to continue to get better. And for Tree to come in today as a left tackle uh, against these guys and, and uh, you know, give us a chance. And then Trevon got in there, some at guard as well. I thought they did did okay. I mean, we were helping them out some today with some chips and things like that with the running backs and tight ends. But there was also a lot of, you know, five-man protection where we were emptying the backfield or free releasing the running back and making those five guys hold up. So, pleased with them and got to be better. You know, everybody struggles. All right. Welcome to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan. We're doing our post-game recap a day late today, um, but that also affords us a little bit more time to kind of sift through some things, think through them, watch the game again. Um, I know Alan's got his behind-the-box score feature coming out later tonight, um, so I might have a little bit more in-depth review of South Carolina's 24-14 loss against Georgia. Um, let off the show there, hearing from Shane Beamer in the post-game. Talking about the O-line, uh, kind of did his little, like I told you so, about the O-line improving, um, which, yeah, to be fair, that was the top story coming out of that UNC game week one. Um, nine sacks, all those tackle for loss. And uh, we kind of have been saying, like, at this point, do you just, like, let the, the freshmen take their licks? Um, that's what they did on Saturday. At least uh, Tree Babalade played all of the offensive snaps at left tackle. Played really well, I think. Um, we just posted the PFF grades on GamecockScoop.com. If you want to check those out, he didn't necessarily grade out, you know, the top offensive linemen or anything, um, but really, I think held his own in a major way at one of the toughest positions in sports as a true freshman against an elite defensive line. You really can't complain. Um, only gave up three sacks to Georgia after giving up nine <laughs> to UNC. Um, like, like Beamer said, definitely some help with, uh, keeping the tight ends in, uh, sort of, I guess, putting your running back, um, against the strength of the Georgia defensive line, whenever you're in obvious passing downs. Um, so it's a mixture of scheme and, and those guys playing really well, but overall, I think you have to be encouraged by that performance in a loss. I think you're at this point, we talked about this extensively on the Thursday show, I think you feel more confident than ever that your best five involves these true freshmen, that your best five right now is probably Tree at left tackle, Gargiulo at left guard, who I thought played really well, and Shane said as much in the teleconference last night, uh, Vershawn Lee at center, uh, Trovon Bott right guard, who Shane said in that same spiel you posted to start, he needed to get in the game more, and he told him that in the locker room, and then probably Ja'Kai Moore at right tackle. That right side definitely looks like your weakest point right now. It did on Saturday. Um, that's where most of the pressure was coming on Spencer. But I think you, with the acknowledgement that you're still going to take lumps, that you're still going to be growing, I think you at least have a better idea of what your best line looks like coming out of that game. And it definitely involves freshmen and players who are going to be here for the future, which is a good thing. Yeah, I think you also start to look around the SEC. We talked about this a little bit last week, and then I feel like it was encouraged even more by some of the results on Saturday. And you have to feel like you can compete in pretty much every game uh, the rest of the way. Uh, I mean, that was your, you are past your most difficult test of the season and you went toe to toe with number one, Georgia, uh, obviously had a 14 to three halftime lead. Um, and then Georgia scored 21 unanswered in the second half. That third quarter was really a killer. We can get into the specifics there in a minute. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I think if you're a Gamecock fan, obviously you never want to lose. Uh, you're in two right now. That probably doesn't feel uh, ideal. But you look at the rest of the schedule, you look at how the team is coming together, you look how some of the young guys are performing, um, and you have to feel pretty good uh, about where you're sitting, even though, you know, you're one and two. It's this is what I wrote on Saturday. If you're subscribed, you can go back and look at Game Puck Scoop. It should still be near the top. Um, you're in the same spot you were in last year. You're one and two. You're zero and one in SEC play. Um, that's where you are. You did have last year. You had that kind of ramp, that run up before you got back in SEC edge Charlotte and SC State. You don't have that this year. You got Mississippi State and Tennessee the next two weeks before the bye. However. I don't see any reason that if you get if you're you're getting much better quarterback play than you got last year, you're getting much better wide receiver play than you got last year, and I think you're getting better defense than you got last year too. Definitely in the Georgia game, certainly. I mean, you gave up half as many points as you did in this game last year, um, and kind of echoing what you said, yeah, it's tough. It's no one's. It's not going to be Charlotte, SC State, but why can't you beat Mississippi State at home Saturday? Why can't you go to Neyland Stadium? It's a Tennessee team that didn't show up in Gainesville on Saturday and compete in that game. No, I think you, you should feel pretty good about it. I think another thing that'll be important to kind of keep in mind going forward is your depth. Um, yes. Felt like you're starting 22 on Saturday, um, went toe to toe with Georgia, but you didn't have the depth to rotate pieces in. You see a guy like TJ Sanders, who I think just now got named co uh, SEC defensive player of the week. Um, who was, you know, wrecking shop in the first half, but definitely started to run out of gas by the fourth quarter. And you just don't have that counterpunch of that second level uh, that Georgia does where they're rotating in another five-star or whatever at that spot. Um, so, you know, you're going to have to continue to bring some guys along to make sure that you're able to uh, make it through the, the rest of the season. But I think you feel good about your starting 22 at this point now that you have shuffled things around a little bit. I think going to that point, too, defensively, I think that's maybe where you feel the most of anything. You mentioned Sanders, but Debo Williams played very well Saturday. He also played every single one of the 80 defensive snaps. Um, that Jalen Kilgore, Nicky Minori, who was back from injury, by the way, and DQ Smith with DQ playing nickel and the other two at safety, that looked good. They played almost every single snap. I think Minori and DQ did, and then it was all the so 12. Dial, yeah. Yeah. So dial all 80 snaps. That's we've heard it from the coaches. We heard them say it point blank. That's not sustainable over a 12 game season. You're still have nine games to go. You still have seven SEC games to go. Um, you're going to have to keep developing depth there. You're going to have to just hope you can stay healthy there more than anything. You're, I do think you feel really good about that defense right now. Uh, we talked about a little bit before we got on of kind of some of the things you made Georgia do or Georgia couldn't do against you with that receiving group, but they didn't light you up through the air like they did last year. Brock Bowers is physical and pretty much impossible to bring down, but there was no explosive plays with him, really. You kind of kept him from getting behind you. Um, I think you feel pretty good about that if you can stay healthy, but that's a pretty big yeah. if. You're also able to create some pressure against mm -hmm. a pretty TJ talented – there especially. Definitely. Uh, a pretty talented offensive line. We did talk to Anthony Dasher at UJSports.com uh, before the game, and he was saying that the offensive line isn't necessarily gelling as well as it was last year. So, you know, maybe South Carolina took advantage of that a little bit. But still, I mean, those are talented guys up front that you were able to um, rattle 
uh, Carson back a little bit. He definitely settled in a little better in the second quarter. I mean, the second half and uh, the third quarter specifically was kind of the backbreaker um, when we're talking about the way that the narrative of this game went. Uh, we can get into some of those negatives here in just a second. One more player we didn't mention on the positive side, Xavier Leggett, uh, continues to just shine. Um, unfortunately, Antoine Wells, who scored the first touchdown, um, got hurt on that play on that first drive and and didn't return to that game. So Xavier Leggett again had to kind of step up as the number one guy. Um, you do wonder is South Carolina able to put together a little bit more offense down the stretch if you have both Wells and Leggett to kind of take the pressure off. Um, but obviously you, you went with what you had. I thought Omega Blake stepped up, yep, played a pretty good say, game. Two big third down um, catches late in the game. So, um, you know, obviously you can't compare that to Wells, who was, you know, the leading SEC re- or the leading returning SEC receiver this year. But, um, you know, I I, th- I thought that some other guys stepped up. You had your opportunities. You, you had some drives uh, that got killed by penalties and stuff. And, uh, that's just something that you are unfortunately getting. That's the trade off of playing all these young guys uh, that we're talking about. Yeah. And I guess if that's how you want to sort of transition into the negatives or maybe where you lost this football game, you come out at halftime up 14 3. You know, Georgia's going to have a punch. They do. They score on their first drive of the second half. You have a special teams penalty on the ensuing kickoff. It backs you up to your own eight yard eight. line there by yeah. the Georgia student section. It's as loud as it was all day. You have a negative play on first down there. You end up punting, give Georgia a short field. They score again. Drive after that, you go down with a chance to tie the game with a field goal. You're in range. Um, There's that first down play where it's raining pretty hard at this point, but where Rattler kind of slips releasing it with pressure in his face, and he short hops Trey Knox, who's open at about the 20 maybe. Did did you go Um, back and watch that? There's no one behind Knox either. If he catches that, that's a touchdown. Like if he catches in stride. Um. That was one of those. That was one of the few times, at least before the fourth quarter, where they were completely an obvious passing, where you felt like the like the offensive line just couldn't hold up there. And if they did, that's probably a touchdown. Um, so you had that 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 third down play after that. Uh, Rattler takes a sack and gets yeah, field goal range. Yeah. Um, you probably need him to throw the ball away there and at least give Mitch Jeter a chance to tie the game with a long field goal. Um, so that's kind of where you lost the game. Shane post game was very much on the self-inflicted wounds. Had boarded. You had 11 penalties in that game. Uh, seven of them on your offensive line. That's 13 offensive line penalties in two weeks now after the six against Furman. Um, you made a point before we got on here that you think they win that game with Marshawn Lloyd or with a better situation at running back. Maybe. I think at the very least, you're able to stop the bleeding a little bit in that third quarter that we're talking about. Um, you just had to lean too much on Spencer Rattler. If you look at his first half, he started the game 10 of 10, uh, obviously was crucial in that and getting that 14 to 3 lead in the first place. But then once the pressure started wrapping up in the second half, you didn't have any counterpunch. Ultimately, Rattler ended up 6 of 24 in the second half. Uh, two interceptions. Obviously, you know, I don't really put a lot of blame on him for either of those. They were like in the last five minutes of the game when you're kind of just trying to make anything happen that you can. Um, but there's just no running threat. You had 14 rushes for 36 yards today, and that's including uh, rather kind of scrambling around and, and being pretty much the only successful running game all day. Um, I'm not saying Lloyd was going to go out there and put up 
150 yards or anything, but I think it just gives you a little bit, uh, you're able to run a little bit more clock. You're probably able to sustain a few more of those drives, take a little bit of pressure off of Bradler's shoulders and maybe at least push it to where the pressure ratchets up, ratchets up into the fourth quarter. Instead, Georgia scores to go ahead in the first couple of minutes of the fourth quarter and really didn't feel that late pressure. So you mentioned the running back situation. We talked extensively about true freshman on the offensive line, about a true freshman at safety and Jalen Kilgore. Does there need to be a DJ Braswell conversation here that that is your four star you brought in? That is your most natural running back at this level, probably. Does that need to be in the equation now? Because I think at this point, and I got some more numbers, like running specific situations in the behind the box score coming tonight. You not only is it bad, it's pretty much non functional, the running game. You can't do anything. You've played three different levels of opponents, an FCS a pretty good FBS and the best team in the country. It's not working against anybody. Yeah. I mean, I think the one time I think you could say that it was nice to have Joyner in there was when you did that little sort of trick, tricky play on the goal line where you, um, at Rattler kind of clapped his hands and Rattler and Joyner shifted over and it was a direct mm-hmm. snap to Joyner, which he took the second for touchdown. touchdown. Yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah, you got Joiner five attempts, 10 yards. And then something I said going into the game is you like having him there so that you can at least, uh, use him in the passing game, but he caught one pass for negative one yards. Um, my only concern with maybe Braswell is how's he looking in pass protection? Um, because we did talk about how much the running backs are being used to sort of chip blockers. I mean, uh, chip block. Uh, those defensive ends and stuff as they're coming around the edge. If Jordan is your best bet there, then, you know, you might just take your lumps without having as good of a run game um, so that you can protect, protect Rattler a little bit better. It's kind of like a catch 22, right? Because right. you also think if you ran the ball better, that would help protect Rattler because they're not going to be sending as many guys as well. So I do think as the season wears on, uh, you need to at least get him involved and see what you got there. See, and then you also looking at the box score now too. Mario Anderson had that seven yard run on third and one on the first drive of the game. Really tough run, physical, broke a couple tackles, set up that series that ultimately resulted in the touchdown to Wells. And then he had one carry the rest of the day. I don't understand that. He wasn't injured as far as I know. He didn't um he didn't only play like one more snap the rest of the game. It wasn't that. So he was healthy. He his snap count was 16 with two carries in there. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a natural running back. It's tough because you also would be frustrated if South Carolina continued to try to run the ball on first down and put you yourself in bad situations or whatever. Um, they definitely pretty early on punted on the running game and just decided to try to throw the ball over the yard. And that worked for the first half. And then Georgia's defense adjusted and it didn't work so well in the second half. And you didn't, you just didn't have it to go to um, when it felt like maybe there was a, there was an opportunity for a change of pace and you just didn't have that as an option. Um, I don't know if DJ Braswell is the answer, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing him some more for sure. Yeah. I think you got to just try something different at this point. You've got enough of a sample size. You're a quarter of the way through your regular season schedule now. And Spencer Rattler was your leading rusher by more than three times the next closest guy on Saturday. That's with Saxon there too. I do think three games into the season, 
what what grade would you give Dowell Loggins as an offensive coordinator so far? B plus, maybe pushing yeah. A minus. Like I thought the script was really good on Saturday. That first drive coming out, changing angles, moving pockets. That the tunnel screen to juice the touchdown was really good. Um, I thought the red zone play calling was sharp for most of the day. You had the two touchdowns in the red zone. Um, there's only so much you can do when you can't run the ball and when you are behind the chains a lot. But yeah, I don't think you can put any of this on Dowell Loggins, do you? No, I think both of the first two drives uh, that obviously got South Carolina up 14 to three went about as flawlessly as you could hope. And um, yeah, really utilized the weapons that you had in a creative way. It's, I think it's a breath of, breath of fresh air after the past decade of offensive coordinators. Um, granted, it's three games into the tenure. Uh, we'll see, you know, but I I think so far so good. I, I like I, I like the B+. Um, like you said, maybe there's a couple of different strings you try to pull once you have that lead. But also, I, I don't fault them for continuing to try to be aggressive because that's what you were going to have to do. Yeah, speaking of being aggressive, there's just one other thing I wanted to throw in. And this is the drive. What set up the drive where Georgia missed their first field goal? You've got a fourth and one for Shane Beamer near midfield, and he punts the ball. Did you like that? Did you not like that? I kind of thought that was a sneak situation that Rattler might be able to fall forward. Yeah, I thought it was surprising given how aggressive they've been over the Beamer tenure on those sorts of situations. I mean, you're up 14 to three at that point, right? It was seven to three. Seven to three. Your defense is playing pretty well um, up until that point. So like it worked out, right? I think they flipped the field ultimately in that. Yeah, uh, they did. And that was the drive where Georgia went down and missed their first field goal, which then after that you scored your second touchdown. But Um, still it's, it was surprising. And yeah, in that, in that spot, particularly, I feel like, you're up against the number one team in the in the country. You're the one that doesn't have anything to lose. Might as well. But, yeah. but that does speak to the running game, doesn't it? If you don't think you can push for a fourth and one, does that kind of say what you need to know? Yeah, although I feel like the the short yarded situations are the few times that we've actually seen especially on the, the goal run line. game work. Yeah, goal lines worked. Um, there in the first two weeks, there was other third and one, fourth and ones that they converted. Uh, even the the Mario Anderson Jr. third and one or third and two or whatever it was mm-hmm, the first drive. Uh, yeah. So a um, little surprising. I, I agree. Um, all right, let's go to the five questions that I asked for the Georgia week. We kind of already hit on the first one, which was what is the offensive strategy? Um, I mean, they came out aggressive throwing the ball all over the, all over the place. Um, they Georgia heading into this game was giving up just 3.6 yards a carry. Uh, and, you know, instead of, I guess, trying to beat your head against the wall there, uh, completely opted out of that. And, you know, I, I thought the the strategy was fine. Uh, my second question was, can the Gamecocks pressure Carson Beck? Um, what was your thoughts on on how that went? I, th- I You know, not terrible. As well as you could realistically hope for, given your situation at edge. Uh, we haven't even mentioned it yet, but Terry Johnson did not travel this week. He was hurt. Beamer said they're expecting him back next week, but... You combine that with Jatius Gear, who still hasn't played yet this season, um, you know, with the fact that you didn't have any Desmond uh, Umiazulu snaps in this game, and that's three of your six pass rushers on the edge on your depth chart who didn't play on Saturday, and you still got three sacks. I think your interior pressure you feel pretty good about right now that 
TJ Sanders, Boogie Huntley, Tonka Hemingway rotation, so to speak, I guess. They play most of the snaps. I think you feel like you could – we were asking before the year where the pressure comes from, and I think you just have to say it comes from the interior right now more than anything, which is surprising for a team that lost Zach Pickens. Yeah, but I, you just have a lot more depth there. Yeah. Um, we saw Elijah Davis play some at edge. I thought mm-hmm. looked pretty good there. Drew Tuazama uh, looked- started. Right. Um, so, I mean, the rotation's getting there. We think JT Gear is going to be back this week, or at least that's what it sounded like. It's, it's trending in the right direction, but we'll see. Um, yeah. I mean, you. I, I believe as TJ Sanders mentioned in the post game, like you had no tackles for loss in the UNC game or one. Uh, you had five on Saturday um, against you know a better offensive line, I think, than UNC had. So, you feel like things are going in the right direction there. Um, the defense gave the offense a chance to win this game. Yep. I do think you have to watch out for these stretches. And this is something that, that happened a few times last year too, where the wheels totally fall off for a while um, because the defense actually had a pretty good fourth quarter too, but we brought up this third quarter a couple of times here. Um, coming out of the half, you had a six play 75 yard drive that ended a touchdown for Georgia. The next drive uh, after South Carolina punted to Georgia was a nine-play, 49-yard drive that ended in a touchdown. Then <clears throat> another punt by South Carolina, a 12-play, 64-yard drive. Luckily, uh, what's the kicker for Georgia's name? Peyton Woodring. Yeah, Woodring missed a second uh, field goal of the day. So no damage done there, but that was still five minutes and 45 seconds that your defense I would argue there was damage. Your defense yeah. had to play 12 snaps. And then the next drive after that, you have an eight-play, 61-yard drive that ended a touchdown. Now, after that, you settled back down. Uh, you got two punts um, on the next two possessions from Georgia, and then the game ended. Um, but you, you can't have a stretch like that, really, both for your own stamina as a defense. Um, and, you know, some of, some of the blame goes to the offense there, too, for – you know, getting nothing done. If you look on the other side of all those drives, you had two, three and outs, uh, two interceptions, a turnover on downs. You know, it, it wasn't going great on the other side of the ball either. Um, but you you did kind of just like let the floodgates open there for a minute before you settled back in. It felt like the first quarter in Gainesville last year. Um, it felt like the first quarter at Clemson. You settled back in and ended up winning that game where you got down 14 nothing pretty quickly. Um, that's something that we've just the first quarter at Arkansas, you give up three touchdowns on three drives and you're down 21, three in a blank. It's something we've seen just, you're right too many times in these last couple of years. Um, and I do think, and not to reverse engineer everything back to the point where we started, but the way you do that, the way you solve that is you run the ball that you force turnovers, which they didn't do last. They didn't do either in this game. Um, you got to sustain drives. You probably need to be able to run the ball a little bit better. And if short of that, you've got to find some game-changing field-flipping plays on defense, which maybe not this week against Georgia. That's going to be tough for anybody. But in general, you've got the – what, did you force one turnover against Furman? Just the Xavier McLeod interception, no turnovers against Georgia. And you got two against North Carolina, but it was after you're already down by 17 points. Yeah, and there was a couple of times that I thought you made Beck sort of put the ball in danger, but you just play take where it's kind of, of just it. over his yeah. arms. Um, another of my questions for the week, and I, I kind of want to focus in on this for just a second, was can Rattler continue his pace? Um, I mean, at that point, 
through two games, he was completing 83% of his passes. So if you're going by that standard, not quite. He completed 55% of his passes on Saturday, although his first half um, was right in line with how things had been going. Sorry, I'm trying to pull up those first half 16 for 18 stats. in the first half. Right, yeah. So, uh, you know, pretty pretty solid there. Um, but then the wheels fell off a little bit in the second half. Not entirely his fault. We've talked about all the, the different ways that that goes. Um, I guess my question is, if you're an NFL scout, did Rattler's game on Saturday encourage you, dissuade you, or you still kind of feel the same as you did heading into it? I think you feel better about it. Um, the two picks, that's going to hurt. That's, again, that's again that's late. That's throwing the ball deep. I think one of those is on a third and 15, and the other one was literally the last offensive snap of the game. There was under a minute to go, and you're just trying to make something happen. Um, I thought he stand, stood and delivered well. Um, used his legs a couple times. I'm thinking of that one 13-yard scramble um, in the fourth quarter, and then there were a couple other times where he escaped. Um, I think you feel better about it just because, I mean, how many quarterbacks are going to face this Georgia team and look good this year? Yeah, and it was really just that fourth quarter when you when you went down uh, 17 to 14 and then 21 to 14 and you were trying to battle back because through three quarters, um, Rattler was 19 of 23, one touchdown, no interceptions. Um, so he was still uh, right on pace with everything and then only completed – three more passes uh, in the fourth quarter out of 19. So really rough fourth quarter, actually. But um, yeah, I think if you actually sat as a scout, actually sat there and watched that game, you saw a gutsy performance from a guy who was overmatched, but kept a team that was probably overall overmatched in a game, um, which, you know, I, I think so far this season, um, he's proven that he deserves a shot at the next level and, um, you know, ideally he's going to have a little bit of a, a run game, uh, and maybe not a true freshman who played really well, but a true freshman at left tackle, um, at the next level. So I, I don't, I don't think you put a whole lot of that on his shoulders really. Yeah. And again, 42 pass attempts, three sacks and five scrambles for Spencer Rattler this game. So what you're talking about there is 50 dropbacks. That's a, good luck. I mean, that might work against some other opponents. I'm definitely, we're definitely going to get into that as this season goes on. I have a feeling, but you're dropping back to pass 50 times against this Georgia defense. I don't really know what to tell you. It's just, just not going to work. Another question that I had heading into the week was, can you create explosive plays? Um, in the first half, at least, yes. So you, you had seven, uh, passing plays of 15 yards or longer. Uh, you had a big 35-yard completion to Xavier Leggett. You had a 41-yard completion to Omega Blake, 23-yard uh, completion to Eddie Lewis, because so even we're spreading it around a little bit. Um, and you even had a couple of big run plays. They were, they were rather scrambles, but two rush plays of 10 yards or more. Um, that compares to so both uh, South Carolina and Georgia had nine quote-unquote explosive plays, uh, at least by that metric. I, I think you did what you needed to do to uh, to win, but they obviously didn't come down the stretch. I would agree with that assessment. I do think you still had a little bit more in the second half. I'm thinking that 
the first play of the drive after Georgia goes up 17, 14 to 23 yard pass. Was that the Lewis one? Um, uh, yeah, that's, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, so you're still, even when you're trailing, quarter, you're still, yeah. yeah, you're still throwing the ball. You're still creating some plays. We mentioned the play to Knox. It's probably a 30 something yard touchdown. If rather doesn't slip a little bit, if it's not raining, whatever. Um, I think you feel better about that than you have all year. Your ability to create explosive plays in the passing game, even without Wells, or at least we we think without Wells, Beamer said he went to a special. He's going to a specialist tomorrow, and we'll we'll know more. But you feel like you talk about winning matchups, right? We so much of this sport is winning one on one matchups, whether that's at the line, whether that's on the outside. You feel like Xavier Leggett can win his matchup a lot of the time. You feel like Trey Knox, when he's not blocking and when he's actually going out to run a route, can win his matchup a lot of the time. You saw Omega Blake win matchups in the fourth quarter, even when they were in obvious passing situations. Eddie Lewis won a couple one-on-one matchups. You felt you can, you have guys that can create space, can get separation, can get open, and can give you. Marion Brown, if he gets yeah. back, which we're expecting him back next mm-hmm. week. You, um, yeah. Here's an interesting question, I think. So, Georgia, a lot of the players after the game um, on the Georgia side were kind of like, "Oh, it was a muggy, weird day, rain, blah blah blah." I actually think if it wasn't a rainy day. South Carolina might have been uh, the benef- benefactor there. Just because they, they would have been throwing the ball 50 times in dry weather. Exactly. I, I think that the, that's where your matchup was actually exploiting Georgia a little bit was uh, on the outside um, in some of those bigger situations. Also, I think those rainy conditions end up uh, being an advantage to the defensive pass rush um, because they're the ones that get to work forward in it. Um, so I don't know. I actually think if maybe it's not downpouring like that, yeah, that ball that you're talking about to Knox doesn't slip out of Rattler's hand. Um, and just like that, you're back on top 21, 17, and it's, um, a ball game again in the fourth. So I don't know. It's, it's, you can do a bunch of different, what if scenarios, it played out the way that it played out. But, um, I I think you got to feel good about, about this offense against pretty much any defense you're going to face going forward. That's kind of, I think, once you start to shift to big picture here, shift to what's left on the schedule, you have playmakers, you have a quarterback that's playing well, you feel like you have starters on defense that can make some plays, that can get teams behind the chains. The only thing I think you genuinely can't take a positive from right now is your running game. There's there's nothing good going on there right now, I don't think. Um, but big picture coming out of that game, I, I'm not going to use the M word, the moral vigor. I'm not going to do that. I don't know if that exists at this level. I think you feel like if you're targeting seven, eight wins this year, getting another recruiting class in, keeping the momentum going, there's no reason you can't accomplish your goals this year based on what you've looked at for these first three weeks and especially Saturday. And for, for those of you uh, that were wondering, he said M word, not Oh yeah, <laughs> I did say more of it after that. So. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So I kind of ended both the questions and my rapid reaction on this, like, how do we measure success? Uh, what does this mean looking forward? Um, I feel like we're kind of briefly hitting on it here. I don't think you're ever as good as your best game, bad as your worst game, all those sorts of things. Um, I think if you're a Gamecock fan, you like to think that your worst offensive line day of the season was the first game um was this game your best i don't know uh can i i I tend to think not considering 
Um, you're getting two true freshmen, a decent amount of playing time uh, for the first time in a tough environment. Uh, they stepped up and acquitted themselves in a great way, um, but I think that that's just more encouraging for your future than this being the peak, I guess, of, of their performance. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I want to go like win loss for the rest of the season or anything, but nah, we've, we've already talked that. about, we've already talked about Mississippi state. Um, looks like a winnable game. Got blown out by LSU 41 to 14 on Saturday. Um, Tennessee goes on the road to Gainesville. Uh, looks pretty bad on offense um, and not great on defense. Uh, those are your next two matchups. Uh, I think you feel good about at least it's splitting that now um, compared to maybe how you felt after week one. Yeah, I think we're, we've talked about this. We talked before the season started that you're going to beat Furman. You're going to lose to Georgia. Your season, your direction, your feeling is those three games before the bye other than those. Your North Carolina game, your Mississippi State, your Tennessee and that if you went 0 and 3 there, your season's probably cooked. If you went 3 and 0, which obviously can't happen now, you lost North Carolina, that you were talking 9 10 wins, 2 and 1 or 1 and 2, you are still on pace for what you want to do, depending on how that looks. Obviously, you need to win one of the next two games. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. You can't start 1 and 4, but yes, I think you're still about where you thought you would be right now, maybe a little bit better. How would you, you asked me to grade Dowell Loggins. How would you grade the first quarter of the season just overall? B minus, C plus? Yeah, I like minus, but... I like uh, C plus sounds about right. Um, I thought you would probably look a little bit better against North Carolina, but I thought you would look worse against Georgia. So right. that almost evens out. Um, and yeah, I think these next two games are crucial on the direction of the season. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you somehow win both. Um, and if that happens, then you're right back on track for almost all of your goals, uh, unless one of those goals is to win the SEC East, which is probably the only thing that's kind of most likely out of reach at this point. Right. Um, we talked about that Mississippi State game on the Thursday show and how crucial that was going to be, how that's your kind of feels like the Kentucky game last year where you were swinging one way or another. Um, you're either two and two or one and three coming out of that game Saturday, but at home at night, uh, first big road game, first road game at all the season for Mississippi state, um, Mississippi state looked terrible against LSU in pretty much every phase. I mean, at one point, the total yards were like 290 to seven or something. Um, maybe they bounce back. Maybe they can't, maybe they're not as bad as their worst game. Like you're saying, but you should expect to win the football game on Saturday. And we're going to talk about it Thursday, but that's a game you should expect to win. And if you do, you're two and two. And I think you're feeling good going to Tennessee. Yeah. I'm trying to see if we have a uh, week four South line opened as a four and a half point favorite. Is what I saw. That sounds about right. I was about to say you, you should be a home favorite in, in this one. Um, you consider all that you've seen so far this season, but also in general, the only, the only game I can think of uh, that doesn't fit this case is last year's Missouri game. Um, South Carolina plays pretty well at home so far in the Shane Beamer era as well. Um, that's a true home field advantage that you have in williams Bryce Stadium. It's a night game. Everyone should be ready to go. Um, as long as you don't somehow let the emotional aspect of uh, losing a two-score lead to the number one team in the country on the road 
sort of beat you twice. Um, right. Which I, I, it didn't sound that way to me in the post game. I, I heard a lot of positivity from coaches and players uh, in the post game. I don't know about you, but um, yeah, as long as as long as that game made you believe in yourself more, not less, then I, I think you are setting up to be in pretty good shape this coming weekend. Yeah, I'm with you too. We can get into the Mississippi State specifics um, on the Thursday show, but I'm I'm with you on every step there. I think you're going to have a really good home field advantage this week. Um, I just think you should expect to win that game. And if you're as we've talked about, if you're as good as you think you are, you should be able to accomplish certain things. If you're what you think you are, and you have a home game against Mississippi State team that doesn't look very good right now, yes, you should win that game. Yeah. Um, just another quick, I guess, note as we're starting to turn the page on this Georgia thing towards next week. Um, Shane Beamer updated his injury report yesterday. Uh, anything new on that? I know one of maybe the most surprising things was Marky Anderson has been ruled out for the season. Um, not someone that had been contributing up to this point, but uh, another highly rated offensive lineman that we that started the spring game that we thought might make an impact, but uh, he's going to have to shut it down for the rest of this year. Yeah, the only – and that sucks for him. It was Shane saying yesterday there was a knee injury that he's – they thought he might have been able to work back, that he hasn't been at 100%, but he hasn't been completely shut down either, but it's just never quite healed the way they thought it was going to. And at this point, they're going to just shut it down and get ready for the spring. You can redshirt him. That's the one thing you can take from that. Like You're, you're not going to be able to redshirt Tree or Trovon or those um, some of those other freshmen you're playing, but you can redshirt Marquis Anderson and – kind of give him a true freshman season next year when you're going to have some holes to fill anyway on the offensive line. No, I was about to say, ultimately, I actually think that works out better for your breakdown at offensive line uh, heading into the next two or three years. Um, honestly, right now, through what you've seen so far, what you know is coming in. Um, I think 2024, you feel pretty good. 2025 is where you're really like, wow, we might have one of the best uh, offensive lines in the SEC that year. Um, when I'm just thinking about a junior uh, Tree Babalade, junior Trovon Ball, redshirt sophomore Marky Marky Anderson, Anderson. sophomore Cam Pringle, sophomore Josiah Thompson. Um, That's that's five right there. I was saying, and that's not even mentioning all the other guys that are uh, four stars, three stars that with upside um, in these last two classes. So. The future is bright there, um, but it's too bad for for Marky right now. What what about Antoine Wells? He gets on the card after the touchdown um, air cast on his foot, coming back out of the locker room, goes kind of says hello, hugs his parents. That's never a good sign. Obviously did not return. Spent a lot of time in the tent, even after he left the locker room on the sideline Saturday. Beamer said they don't know if it's going to be the whole season, but I think you have to kind of fear the worst, but hope for the best there. If you're South Carolina, he's going to see a specialist tomorrow. Um, that certainly looked like something with a foot. I don't want to use the word broken, but it certainly looks like it might have been a might have been that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you rewatched the broadcast or whatever, but they asked him about it uh, after halftime, and it gave kind of a weird response um, where he said he said broken. He said that they thought that his foot was broken, but that he already had a screw there from the off season, and that it was stabilizing it. So I don't know if that lessens the recovery time is what his point was or, or what there, but uh, he did use the word broken then. Now, granted, I think that he's seeing a specialist tomorrow. Is that what it yes. is Tuesday? Yeah. So I we'll, mean, we'll I, know more. I certainly wouldn't expect him back anytime soon. 
Yeah. Um, you're targeting late season there, I think is what you're doing. And he's already ruled Case Henry out for this week too. And that's another one where I think you're probably targeting late season, if anything. Yeah, and then there was talk in the offseason of Jalen Nichols, potentially late season as well. So we'll see how, how those three situations work out. Um, we did talk about – I feel like you feel okay about Eddie Lewis, Omega Blake. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Doty is still getting some run there. Nicholas Harbour got like nine snaps, not very many of them on offense. Uh, I mean, he showed up in the fall. He had a, a offseason injury. It might be late – late season before you feel like he's fully um, a part of this offense if he's going to be. Yeah. Uh, wide receiver room, I still think you feel all right about. Um, that's definitely not the number one um, no. weak, weakness on this team right now. Uh, other injury things we did mention with JT Gear, uh, that's the edge uh, transfer out of Syracuse that hasn't made an appearance yet this season. Looks like he could be making his debut next week. Um, and then maybe Tyree Johnson or Amarian Brown. We'll see how they work their way back. I think you, I mean, he, I mean, Shane said yesterday that other than Wells, they came out of that game in pretty good shape. And I would say you still have your lingering questions from before the Georgia game, but you didn't get a whole lot worse other than Wells coming out of that Georgia game. And I think that's probably your best sign moving forward that you got out of your toughest game, not completely banged up. Definitely. Um, any other games from around the country that you noticed, wanted to talk about a little bit? I think it's kind of interesting that Missouri was able to pull off that win against Kansas State. Um, 61-yard field goals will help with that. The longest in SEC history. You know, that's that's pretty good. Um, I don't know necessarily what that says about Missouri or Kansas State. Um, Kansas State was ranked 15th, the Big 12 champion last year. Are they properly ranked this year going into that game i don't know really um colorado colorado state was pretty interesting yep, got, got home in time to watch or got back in time to watch the end of that um, unfortunately travis henry seems like he's going to be out for Hunter, yeah three, travis henry yeah uh going to be out for yeah probably about a month he took a couple of brutal hits there um that game got nasty like kind of beyond the bounds of what you would expect in a football game like there were some pretty late hits some cheap shots going around there yeah i mean it started in the media, in the yeah. lead up, you know, it's, I, I personally like the Deion Sanders experience in the sense of it's entertaining, uh, gives us something to talk about, not us necessarily, but national media in general, something to talk about. Um, but the, the, there's a line that you're going to have to walk uh, with some of that persona, I think. Um, cause you're going to piss off some people along the way and people are going to start trying to take shots at you to, to lower you back down. And they're going to play Oregon and USC the next few weeks and watching them very much struggle to block up front against a three and nine mountain West team. I don't think either of those games are going to go particularly well for Colorado. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the USC game could turn into a fun shootout because yeah. USC's defense is not very good either. Um, I don't give them much of a chance this coming week against Oregon. Though. They're a 21 point dog to open, I think is what I read. And I would agree with that. Um, that's about what I had on the country. We talked about Tennessee already. We talked about Mississippi state a little bit. Um, we were, we were wrong as we often are, like as uh, anyone that kind of looks at a college football week and is like, ah, oh, this looks like a week week. Right. Um, it was fun. Uh, there was definitely a lot of games that we weren't expecting to turn into a ball game that did even, Wyoming playing Alabama pretty Fourth close quarter. there for a while. Yeah. Texas. Uh, yeah. 
or Texas, sorry. And the USF uh, though, Alabama, that was yeah. a seven point game late in the fourth quarter. And Alabama very much appears to not have a quarterback. They've already used three in three weeks and none of them have played particularly well. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe got a little spoiled there for a while over the last decade. Um, anyway, we'll be back here on Thursday to preview the Mississippi State game in full. We'll have plenty of content on GameCocksCoop.com throughout this week uh, talking that game up. We'll try to get um, some of our contacts within the Rivals Network over at Mississippi State to uh, give us some insight about their injury situations and kind of how everything's trending there. Um, and, yeah, it should be a fun one. So we'll see you on Thursday. Until next time, this has been the GameCockScoop.com podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe and all that fun stuff, and we'll see you.